Hey everyone, welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. And today we have a very special guest. I'm so excited. We're off the beaten path again, going down the trail with Myron McGee. Thanks so much, Myron, for joining us today. Did I lose you? Maybe. Um, anyway, <laughs> so Myron, uh, I... Uh, glad to have you on the show. Happy to have you around. How about you tell us a little bit about yourself, about kind of your history with mental health and where you've come from? Okay. Uh, so first off, I'd like to thank you both for having me on the show. It's an absolute yeah. uh, honor and a privilege to be here. Uh, so just getting to the gist of it, uh, my name is Myron McGee. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. So as far as uh, mental health is concerned, um, you know, growing up primarily in the African-American community, a lot of trauma, a lot of kind of just, you know, excess um, violence and different things like that. So I got interested originally in psychology. So uh, when I graduated high school, um, I was going to Central State. And I was like, well, I'm going to study psychology because I'm going to figure out why do people do what they do? Yeah. Interesting. And then so I, so I get there and um, get some orientation. Then I got drifted away. Um from psychology into manufacturing engineering because you know the person was like hey you want to make some money and I was like you know where I come from of course <laughs> so and then I knew also knew that the psychology realm you know I would have to probably go all the way get the PhD and I wasn't yeah. necessarily uh, sold on that but I ended up going into um, manufacturing engineering going through a lot of different things in school but ultimately uh, coming back to social work uh, so I can actually do therapy, um, look into how we can actually help people. It's also a form of activism for me, uh, which is awesome. really important. It's a different route uh, to approach the, the common problems that everybody's having. So now, as far as myself, you know, I was a single mother. Um, that's how, you know, I was raised by a single mother. Um, I have two other brothers. And then, you know, with that comes a lot more the trauma and violence mm. because one, one of my brothers actually murdered um a couple mm. years back so that was really really tough and this that's also one of the reasons that i'm here as well mm. it's like this 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 stuff is happening on a consistent basis and there's no real so sometimes no real solutions available for people yeah and we got to do our best to expand you know what those options are um so that's kind of the gist of it I'm so sorry, Myron. We, there are like no words that we could even acknowledge the loss of your brother. Yeah, we've talked to a couple of, you know, first general generation warriors in terms of trying to bring mental health and like a good foundation for that and how it takes, you know, a lot to be able to build that from, you know, like what little structure is there or, you know, yeah. what habits have formed. Um, yeah. That's and it's also good to see and with your kids too how that's going to have Absolutely. an impact down the road. Like mom is somebody who has impacted us as kids, where her journey has impacted us positively, and we're able to go out and kind of, you know, live more stable, functional lives because <laughs> we're not carrying those much of that. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the same thing. I'm hoping for the same thing. I got three kids, uh, three boys actually. Wow. So, you know, kind of just trying to make a way for them to, you know, process their emotions, uh, assess 
you know, life and, and add value to life and just generally stay organized and, and just be productive citizens. You know, at the end of the day, that's what everything kind of boils down to is how you build yourself, how you build your culture and how you translate that information to people in an effective way. What kind of impact did your mom have on you? I'm curious. She had quite quite a responsibility in raising her sons. She did. She did. She did. So my mom, you know, she's a strong woman, uh, but at the same time, being the oldest, <clears throat> I had an opportunity to see those weak points. Um, those weak points um, made me work towards trying to understand, one, two, uh, trying to find ways to uh, improve the condition because the overall condition of her mental health was was not good. So she was dealing with her own past, and she would raise she raised us kind of with that. Um, you know, she was chronic depression, um, alcoholism, uh, drug addiction, you name it. She was kind of dealing with all of it because she was a young mother. So mm. watching all of that. I kind of got a chance to see the dysfunction and try to figure out um, how to operate within it and then how to improve conditions uh, based on that. Mm -hmm. Where did you find a sense of mentorship or a safe person? Or I don't know if there was a, a teacher or another family member or neighbors or. That happened later. A podcast. Yeah, that happened later in my life. Personally, um, I was in high school. So um, in high school, I uh, met with my wife. Well, actually, I met my wife in middle school. We dated for a little bit in middle school, and then uh, we got back together in high school, junior year. And that's when I kind of got introduced to um, Marlon Shocker for a couple of different activists. Those, those individuals kind of came in and, and uh, provided some structure. They couldn't do everything, but they, pro they provided enough. I did my church group. I was part of at the time. Um, those things kind of helped motivate me to, you know, go to school. My wife, she was uh, doing really, really well academically, and I wasn't. And I was just one of those kids that loaded under the radar. Um, and then once I met her, and I started focusing a little bit more, I started looking for different opportunities. Mm. And then it kind of, you know, spun into what it is now. Yeah. That's awesome. I, you know, as soon as you said activism, that's definitely something that, you know, sparked my attention. We've talked about, oh, I mean, part of what this show has done sometimes is activism. And we've even tried like to bring in guests to be able to talk about this stuff. So I'm curious with your relationship with activism and mental health, like how do those areas merge? Like what does the merging of those two worlds look like? Okay, so I, I love that question. I think it's extremely important for us to be able to articulate um, how those join. So activism and, and um, mental health join because people need policy put in place so where they can get access to the resources that they actually need. So if you go, if you live in a deprived community and that community is, um, you know, just far away from a mental health service agency, for example, that's gonna provide challenges for people to get there. If you don't have necessarily representation, sometimes that is a challenge. If you can't speak a different language, if you can't reach the Latino community, if you can't speak Spanish, uh, if they're not speaking full English. So it, it provides challenging in challenges in the uh, therapeutic setting, the, the policy setting, 
I mean, those things are major when it comes to getting a resolution for problems. So that's kind of how I look at it. I look, and I also look at this path as it was kind of like a couple of different directions you can go. One, street activism. That's one way to go, you know, get your boy on, go out there and yell and scream, kick, protest, et cetera, et cetera. You can also find a way to work within the system, the structure to capture more people because a lot of people have healthcare. So if they have healthcare, uh, more people need it, but if, if they have it and they can get counseling at no cost to them, uh, to some extent, it becomes easier for you to reach them advocate for them in that way. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, in, in terms of like creating a better world, I think that mental health has to be a part of that. You know, we're all humans and we're all dealing with our own day-to-day -day struggles and challenges. That means that sometimes we're angry and upset and out of control. I don't know if you've heard window of tolerance. We talk about that sometimes. Or what was that river of well-being? There's a couple of them that totally I'd encourage uh, our listeners to go back and listen to those. But um, that's so important for a future world. And I like, you know, this is, I mean, I imagine one of many of our aligned goals that um, I see, you know, a better world, one that even, you know, uses the tools that we currently have to Absolutely. build some relationships, to build some of that. Um, yeah. So what does that look like for you in the day to day? Have you been on any projects or do you see that kind of activism in your work or kind of in your yeah. family? It definitely comes out of my work. Um, my, as far as my immediate family, they see and know, you know, kind of what the mission and vision are. Like I have family mission, family vision, and I'll kind of set up for my family just to provide that organization and structure because that's not necessarily something I come from. But as far as what I'm doing here is, is more on the program development side, outreach, marketing, trying to let people know, partic in particular, the uh, victims of the Oregon District shooting we kind of like our our genesis, <clears throat> if you want to call it that, um, is that is is the traumatic event that happened really uh, yesterday. It was fourth um, in 2019, August fourth, 2019. So uh, this the situation that happened in Dayton that that kind of spurred a lot of different things. And one of the um, answers that the attorney general you know, kind of have was to say, hey, you know, we put a TRC in a trauma recovery center in Dayton. So my primary role is, like I said, just outreach, um, developing the program, making sure the infrastructure is set within within family services. And then hopefully that becomes a springboard uh, for later projects and, and bigger and better things. So people who were impacted by that shooting are able to contact your organization for trauma support. Yeah, trauma support, advocacy, uh, individual counseling. It's a number of different things that we provide people based on what they need. And we also take the information. So say we don't have necessarily provide a service that a, a victim of a crime uh, would like. We take that information and then we do our best to try to adapt our programming to meet their needs. So our primary things right now um, is trauma that's caused by crime. So that will actually make that individual a victim of a crime. And there's money available, there's resources available for those individuals so they can get the services that they need under the, the Trauma Recovery Center at no cost. Hmm, that's awesome. I'm, I mean, I'm glad that that service exists, even though it's sad that it has to exist. Exactly. And when I was writing some, some notes uh, for another uh, advertisement, you know, 
that same exact thought came up. It's sad that we need this, but what we know is ignoring mental health, ignoring and telling people to kind of get over it, it's not working. Mm, definitely it's not, not working. It hasn't historically worked. And, we, mm -hmm. and we're kind of seeing a fallout of, of what that type of mentality produces, um, you know, in our communities. So. Mm -hmm. I can definitely see that. Um, I wanted to say, uh, just to connect it to our community as well, uh, Mom, I think this is when, Ale I was going to mention Alexander Wells whenever we brought up Dayton, because he's totally mm -hmm. in that area and he's fantastic. Uh, you should definitely look him up and I'll put him in the show notes as I do every week. But I'll send it to you too, Myron. But um, this, I think this is his do something t-shirt that he put out. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, um, like, I mean, I had friends in Dayton. And so this hits really home, you know, certainly, I mean, it's Ohio, you know, we grew up in Sydney, Ohio, which is just, you know, 45 minutes North. And right. so we've walked those streets, you know, and seen that sort of stuff. And I'm glad that something like that exists. I'm glad yeah, that we're doing something. The, the great part about this is we had to open up the, the specifications um, to all victims of, of crime that are experiencing trauma. So we we want, like like I said, our, our genesis was the Oregon District, but we didn't had to realize like, hey, we might not uh, capture what we want if we don't generalize it a little bit more uh, because there's a lot of trauma happening consistent basis in our cities. Uh, the Miami Valley, you know, has the opportunity to seek healing and create that, that infrastructure for a healing community. And that's kind of what we're designed to do. Uh, and hopefully, you know, people will come out and get the resources they need. We can start this healing journey all together. So who makes up the team that, that works at your center? What are so it's the a resources? Number yeah, there's a number of counselors um, that we have available at Family Services and, and the Trauma Recovery Center. And sometimes they kind of blend. Uh, if we have a, a over um, response, then we send, we send them you know, to trauma-informed therapists and counselors that are in-house. Um, and then you got, so you got like Catherine, for example, kind of set up this whole uh, situation. I got to give her a shout out. Because uh, without her, you know, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. So I just want to thank her for that. She's she's a she's our clinical counselor. Um, and then you got me, and I do, like I said, the primary outreach development, um, a lot of the creative, you know, stuff. I'm kind of all over everything. Mm -hmm. What kinds of um what what kinds of trauma informed uh framework do you help other people understand, like going through everything that we do in the news, things in, in communities that experience crime, how we even have a sense of mental health in the midst of all that can happen. Like what kinds of frameworks do you use in, in understanding what trauma is or how people can be um, in a place of healing or recovery in the midst of all that can happen? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, one of the first frameworks that we wanted to pull from was the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administrations or like the SAMHSA 4Rs framework. That was extremely important because in that, in that framework, it's, it's um, prompting people to realize why impacts trauma. That's the first thing. We got to realize that it's actually happening. Something occurred that is not normal. 
right? Something occurred that has caused, has caused uh, a trigger or has caused an emotional response to a situation. And then um, the other part to that was to recognize how it's impacting community members. Um, we gotta be able to realize, recognize, and then respond, right, appropriately, because quite often, for example, if you have someone who has experienced um, rape and molestation, family is not necessarily trauma-informed. They probably don't know mm -hmm. how to appropriately respond to that situation without re-victimizing um, the, the person who went through the trauma, which is the last R, which is resist re-traumatization. So, you know, so the four R's, just to kind of go back over that, is realize, recognize, respond, and resist trauma uh, in, in some form or another. So that's like just an example. And then we use um, a lot of like CPT, cognitive processing therapy, uh, group therapies, uh, and individual counseling, which the, in the individual counseling, people can typically control the narrative. Um, if whatever they want to work on, our goal is to get them to, to a place of uh, trauma, post-trauma. That's what we want to put post-trauma. Kind of post-traumatic growth. Exactly. Talked about. Like how, mm -hmm. do you, how do you operate now that this thing has happened? You realize that you recognize that you responded to it. You've done the appropriate things to make sure we don't re-traumatize you. And now you have to go out into the world and still operate and exist and, and grow and develop. And that's kind of like where we want to push people uh, in general. I'm curious more to process a little bit about that response and not re-traumatize because I have found that family and friends really can potentially be part of Absolutely. the healing or part of the further harm that's caused because people don't have a clue what to do with trauma or pain or things that are hurtful. Sometimes people kind of almost get debilitated by this is such a big pain painful experience for someone. So they just kind of, I don't know, maybe wall up or shut down or something that they yeah. don't know what to do, or they want to move past it and not being able to have a response at all leaves the person in that crisis exactly. really isolated, alone, abandoned, and, and experiencing even more trauma. And I think this is where this is where we as a community have to have an emphasis on the resources that are available and also uh, a real focus on the type of community that we want to be, the type of community that we want to become. If we don't focus in, in, we can focus only on the trauma if we like. That will leave you in a spiral. You have at some point have to lift your head up and say, where are we going with this? You know, because our goal at the TRC is not to keep people in therapy or uh, in counseling forever. That's not the goal. The goal is to get you to that, you know, that post-trauma thriving. Um, so some people are okay with being in therapy for the rest of their life. That's not necessarily like, and that's okay if that's what you want to do. But for us, we want to say, hey, what's going? What what can we do to get you back on track? To get you to a, to a place where you can pursue your goals, pursue your happiness, and make sure that you can sustain your family. So I think I kind of compare it to. Um, like a fish out of water. Situation happens, that fit, you know, and, and that fish is flopping around. We don't know what to do with this. We can't control it, we can't hold it. And then eventually, you know, you kind of let the situation kind of die, right? 
uh, for you, but not necessarily the person that experienced the trauma, it doesn't die. For you. Uh, so, so that's where we have to really get into that response. And the best thing that family members can do if they don't know what to do is make sure they are um, aware of the resources that are available. Funneling people to resources is the best answer for not having a direct answer. If you know what's available and these and these resources are also have to get more notoriety and, and, and those resources also need to be able to do a good job for people those are all you know key points into helping families who don't know what to do like there's also family counseling that can be done with people so we can start to train people um, on what needs to happen when any occurrence you know kind of takes place so if it's a burglary um, if it's uh, cyber crime, cyber bullying, any of the any number of things that cause trauma, we have to start to get educated on what we can do, opposed to having no answer <clears throat> and not searching for one, or just sucking up, sucking it up, and keep on moving. Yeah, that's you know? not. It's not going to work that way. It's going to sit there, and then one day you're going to get re-triggered again. You may mm-hmm. drive by the place, you may smell a cologne. You may feel a fabric. There's a number of different triggers that people, you may see something on TV and then you put yourself right back in a spiral and you don't know why. Now you become depressed. You don't want to come out of the house. You don't want to eat, you know, and, and then you start to feel alone. And loneliness is also one of the biggest challenges that people who experience trauma have to overcome because of that social withdrawal. Most people will withdraw to themselves and healing doesn't take place in a silo. It has, to, it has to, you know, occur sometimes in a group form or where you have necessary support. I think yeah. that's one of the things that we try to do with Community Roots is to have a community of a place where they can get to know, get to know other voices, other people that are out there in the world that are looking towards healing and growth and um, recovery or um, resilience, things that it's okay to go to the hard places and do the hard work and then know that other people are doing that too and finding good in the world. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, so, I mean, Dayton is obviously so important to me and my growth. I'm curious, you know, what would you say to, you know, people in Dayton who are going through this trauma or maybe even people in Dayton who are thinking about reaching out to your organization to begin with or taking that first step? Like, what would you kind of say to them if you had their ear? Okay. Well, I think for me, it's extremely important for all dating community members experiencing any form of trauma, number one, to know that you're not alone. Um, these traumas are occurring, you know, not just to you, but to your family, uh, to your neighbors, to, you know, like when you see something on the news, that's happening. When that situation is aired on the news, it now becomes a wise, it has a widespread effect. So, if we only look at a situation from an individual level, we won't actually be able to see the why impact of it. Uh, we are all part of a community, and, and that community is trying to put resources in place, but the people also have to come out and seek for resources. If you need help, ask. Find a way to get what you need, just like if you are pursuing a relationship. Hopefully, the relationship is healthy for you, but in that relationship, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time and energy that you put into making sure that the relationship is fruitful, beneficial, healthy, and safe for everybody that's involved. This is the same kind of message we want to bring across. You have to do the same thing for your mental health because without your mental health, 
everything else is going to be off kilter. It's not going to be balanced. And if, and if we can continue to hear what people need, then our goal becomes to meet the need uh, so people can actually come and get what they say they need. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, I see that. You know, I like what you said even I think that is applicable to people, you know, within Dayton who have been affected by things, you know, crime and trauma there, but also to the broader sense of, you know, we're not alone. There's been a lot of people who are dealing with this and, you know, it's a worldwide community even at certain points where it's like, if your neighbor needs help and is saying help, then it's like also our responsibility to, well, I mean, if you've got the right balance and you've got the right, (laughs) as long as you're not sinking, it's it's to reach out and help. I feel like sometimes we've we've kind of lost that humanity for our fellow uh, Daytonian or our fellow human, where we we may see a need and we just don't have a capacity sometimes. And that capacity, you know, that lack of capacity provides significant challenges for that healing journey kind of that we're talking about. The healing journey can't take place if people aren't paving the way. And that's kind of where trauma recovery come the trauma recovery center comes in to say hey let's put the first block down mm-hmm. we, we need to start to navigate this and figure out where we want this journey to go if we want to get to a healing community that, that's already signifying that we got to pack our bags get ready to do some dirty work and blaze a trail mm. mm-hmm. i like it i like the trail talk <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of like it's, it's really a journey and that's the beautiful part about it because sometimes when you're going through it, it's an ugly process, you know? And then when you get to the other side of that, you start to realize like, wow, you know, now that I've gone through that, maybe, you know, it's possible for other people to go through the same thing and I can help them at the low point. That's even like the Sankofa, like the message of the Sankofa, you know, being just, well, as you go forward, helping people behind you. Exactly. Um, One of my son's name uh, is Sankofa. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah, that's one of my favorite sweet. stories, you know, yeah. one of my favorite birds, I guess, legendary birds. There you go. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think uh, that kind of speaks to something we said before about education being lifelong and kind of our journeys being lifelong, how even just because even a traumatic event ends or like your uh, counseling ends, that that journey still continues and that growth still continues and maybe even continues in supporting others or kind of like in your journey or like with mom's journey and helping like the next generation and the people around you to be like, oh, I, I helped pull myself up. You know, I, I helped like develop myself. It's time to share that. And that's kind of what I feel like people feel with mental health too, is like, oh, I feel more awake and alive time to, you know, (laughs) get somebody else on board. And I think, you know, kind of one one of the last points to kind of drive this home is when I came into mental health, um, it was important for me to say, okay, on a journey, if you, if you really start to pay attention, you usually carry some things. Human beings carry all kinds of stuff. We carry spirits, we carry energy, we carry our trauma, we carry our experiences, and we bring all of that to a room at any given point. Right. So the question becomes on your healing journey, what is it that you put into your backpack? Mm -hmm. What is it that you put into your mental health toolkit to make sure that when you run into a situation on that journey, that it doesn't make you turn around or stop? Mm -hmm. I dig it. Policy policy has to look at it the same way. You cannot develop uh, infrastructure, 
out some form of a plan and a long-term goal. Hmm. What's your short term? What's your long term? And then what is it, you know, those intermediate times that we kind of fall into or we kind of plateau, those aren't bad places. Those are just the, the places that we have to go to continue to, you know, the process and, and, and to make progress. So I like it. I like it. Well, thanks so much, Myron, for joining us. This was a great conversation. Um, before we wrap up, I did, I was curious, you know, if somebody wants to reach out to your org, what are some of the best ways they can do that? So one of the best ways is phone call. Um, and our number is 937-222-9481. And you can also Google Family Services Association. That number will pop up. Our website will pop up. And we're actually in the process of redeveloping the website. So that'll be coming out soon. Um, so the, the website is www.fsadayton.org. Uh, that's fsadayton.org. And then you can also send me an email if you want more information. My email is mmcgee at fsadayton.org. Awesome. Sweet. Well, uh, we don't always do this, but I'm going to try and fit it in uh, where we end up uh, most of our episodes with you know, a gratitude, um, an affirmation about, you know, yourself or what's the last one? We, we added in another one recently. Mm. Mantras, but, you know, mantras, mantras, yeah, Was that something, right? something where, you know, like a, an affirmation of gratitude, just where you're at now, like something you can sit and appreciate the moment. But, uh, um, yeah, we normally go around the circle to do that. I was curious what you got. Okay. So for me, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm definitely grateful for the opportunity to change mm. and grow. Um, one of the things that I tell my children every morning, and if not every night, is that they are peace, they are love, they are light, they are knowledge. They're smart and they're kind, and they are important. Those seven things, you know, I kind of give to them every day. And as I say them to them, I'm also saying them to myself. Mm -hmm. I also say them to my wife. Uh, and it becomes important for us as human beings to understand that we are also the opposite of those. And the control of the opposite is where true humanity comes in because it takes, it takes a very powerful person to understand that they can choose to be bad, right? But they can also choose to be good. Yeah, that's deep. Not bad. Not bad. Mm -hmm. What do you think, mom? Do you have one to close us out? I was thinking along the same lines of, um, that we, we get to be part of the healing, you know, we get to heal trauma and it takes a commitment and it takes courage and it takes work to be able to face it and not just close our eyes to it or avoid it or, or even be in denial about it, but to know that there are hard things that we will go through that will give us opportunities to heal and to grow and to support somebody else and encourage someone else on their journey as well so that we're not traveling alone. I think that makes all the difference in the world. I like it. You, you know, something I'm also going to go big with it too. <laughs> uh, you know, like uh, just a message that I feel like that's been repeated a lot is you are not alone and that let's build a community, a healthy community of people together. And I, I think it's it's good to know that there are a plethora of people out there and there's just a lot of people who are fighting for this future. 
you know, um, this is the first time we've met you, Myron, and it's been a pleasure. And it's good Absolutely. to see, you know, another activist out there, another person who's pushing that mindset and pushing kind of like, let's change the world for the positive for our kids, you know, Absolutely. in a way that's actually healthy instead of tearing our, you know, each other down or trying to, you know, rip things apart. Um yeah. But nice. Thank, thanks so much for being with yes. us, Myron. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. I, I thank, I thank you all for the opportunity, and uh, you know, I look forward to working with you guys again, and maybe coming on, you know, as we, you know, continue to progress and develop, and you know, let you guys kind of see what we actually are doing here. Yeah, thank you for your courage for going into the community and being a part of the healing and absolutely people going through hard times and crisis and seeing them to the other side. Sure, we're stronger together. Absolutely. I Absolutely. love it. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Myron. Um, and thank you, listener, for joining us as well. Um, we will be back in uh, two weeks with another episode. So we'll see you then. Bye.